Welcome to Vetsplanation. I'm Tyler, or you can call me Shugs. I love being able to educate my pet parents on what's going on with their furry little loved one. But as an emergency veterinarian, I'm usually running around from critical case to critical case and don't always have the time to be able to tell you what I've learned in 25 years of experience in just those short two minutes. I'm hoping with this podcast, I'm going to be able to help you guys understand what your veterinarian is trying to tell you. So let's jump into this week's episode. All right, so today we're going to talk about blocked cats. So what we're going to do is we're going to go over what is a blocked cat, how does that happen, what do we do to treat it, and what is the long-term prognosis for these cats. So typically a blocked cat means that there's a urethral obstruction. So a little bit of anatomy, that means that the blood comes from, goes into the kidneys, and it gets filtered so that it can make urine. The urine goes down these little tubes called the ureters into the bladder, which is where all the urine is being held. And then from the bladder, it goes into the urethra, into the penis. Now, this is not to say that female cats cannot get blocked as well, but this typically occurs in our male cats, generally from about two years old to older. The oldest cat that I've had has been about 13 years old, but it can really happen at any age. There have been younger cats than that who have been blocked. There have been, I have seen an eight month old cat that's been blocked. So it can happen to anybody. So what do you guys see at home? Usually what you're going to see is the cats either going in and out of the litter box, attempting to urinate. And it might actually look like they're trying to poop or trying to defecate. Like people often think that their cat is constipated when they come in. Or they might actually notice that they're trying to pee in areas that they're not supposed to. Like people will say that maybe they look like they are trying to, to like mark their territory, um, or spray something because they're in corners or they're on beds attempting to squat. The other things that people might notice is that they're vomiting or just that they're lateral. So just laying on their side and not moving very much. Um, all these are signs that Usually when you call your veterinarian or call your ER vet, they'll likely tell you to bring that cat in immediately because the first thing that we're going to worry about, especially if you say that it's a male cat, is we're immediately going to worry about, is that male cat a blocked cat? When you do bring them in, on our physical exam, what we're looking for is we're palpating or feeling that cat's bladder to be able to feel if it's large or even just moderate size or even just a kind of a smaller bladder and it being very firm. That firmness kind of tells us that that cat has been blocked. So if you imagine if you were to push up against a wall for hours, just pushing, 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 not letting up and Imagine how tight your muscles would be because of that. That's kind of what's happening to that cat's bladder. You know, they're pushing so hard for hours and that, that muscle that's around their bladder is just tensing up and not able to urinate. So they, they create this very tense, firm bladder on palpation. So what causes a urinary blockage or urethral obstruction in cats? Well, there's lots of different things. So the big causes, the most common cause is going to be due to crystals, urinary crystals. And this forms usually because of the diet. It's not because the 
that pet parent is buying a bad diet, like you could buy a really expensive diet and this is just the way that the cat's body is going to react to that. So when you think of things being like basic and acidic, as in the pH being basic or acidic, typically cats will have a more basic type of blood to create these crystals. These crystals get created and they form in the bladder and that all those crystals back up and get pushed into the urethra. And then it basically just makes this dam so that nothing can get through and causes this urethral obstruction. Other causes are going to be things like stress. We call those like idiopathic things. They just happen. Um, a lot of times a mucus plug or something will form because of those. And then the other not as common things are going to be things like a stone. So they can make urinary stones and also a urinary tract infection. Again, they definitely can happen, just not as common. And then the last one is also strictures. So a stricture is basically like a scar that forms. This usually happens when a cat has already been blocked. So a cat who has been partially blocked before and has created the scar tissue. So meaning that like it could pee a little bit, but not a lot. So all those crystals kind of like scraped up the urethra, making this scar. Or because the cat had been unblocked before with our urinary catheter and created a scar from that time that had been unblocked before. But all of those things can potentially cause that urethral obstruction to occur. So why is this such a big deal? You know, you'd think that we could just pull the urine out and the cat should be fine, right? It's not that simple. This is really a life-threatening disease for these cats. So just like I was saying before, you know, with the anatomy, the urethra is obstructed, so there's this dam that forms, and then it backs up all that urine into the bladder, and then it's going to back up all that urine into the ureters, which is going to back up all that urine into the kidneys. So the kidneys can no longer filter all of the blood that it's supposed to at this point. So all that waste product that it's supposed to be filtering is not being filtered, and a really important thing called potassium is not being filtered as well. Potassium is important because if you have too much of it, it could essentially cause the cat to have something similar to a heart attack. Like it will cause the cat to have such a bad arrhythmia that the cat's heart will stop. So when I was talking about those cats looking like they're really sickly, they're vomiting, sometimes they're laying on their side and not really moving. Um, this could be one of those reasons why all those waste products are not being filtered. So they're backing up in the bloodstream. And some of these cats are lateral or just laying on their side because of the fact that their potassium is too high. Like I said, this is a life-threatening thing. So what do we do about it? So usually the the goal is we want to hospitalize these cats. When we hospitalize them, we put them under general anesthesia or sedation and we put in a urinary catheter and, and we usually have to flush that obstruction, whatever it is, to get you know, the urinary catheter into the bladder. But we need to put a urinary catheter in so that, that way we can flush the bladder out really well and allow all of that urine to be able to drain out and allow that urethra to be able to just calm down and that bladder to calm down. The next big thing we want to do is to be able to give that cat IV fluids. So that's 
putting more moisture into the cat. We're trying to rehydrate them, but we're also trying to flush out all of that waste product that we talked about from before this backing up, flushing out all that waste, flushing out their kidneys, flushing out their bladder, and trying to get them back to being normal again. When I was talking about the potassium being so high from before, that's one of the ways that we're trying to bring that potassium back down is by giving them IV fluids. The second way is also by just purely unblocking them. And depending on how high that potassium is depends on what kind of other medications we might give as well. There are definitely a variety of other medications that we may give depending on how high it is and also depending on whether that cat actually has an arrhythmia or an abnormal rhythm of their heart, which we usually put them on an EKG while we have them under anesthesia to know if there's an abnormal rhythm of their heart. We're also doing blood work on them at that time. Most commonly on blood work, we're going to find that they have high potassium like we just talked about but we also will find that they will have high kidney values. Those kidney values are called the BUN and the creatinine. Those are very common for them to be elevated because we already know that all that urine is backing up, all of the waste product is backing up, and those are two things that are just usually filtered by the kidneys. So if they're not being filtered, they're going to be elevated. And in a good majority of the cases, those will come down eventually, Hopefully within 24 hours, some within you know, 48 hours, but most of them will come down eventually. Unfortunately, some cats will have kidney damage from this. It's a very small percentage of them, but some will have lasting kidney damage from this. And maybe those kidney values don't come down, but we won't know that until after the cat has been diuresed or basically given fluids and we recheck that blood work. And for us, we're usually rechecking that blood work once a day to be able to tell whether or not those kidney values are coming down and also rechecking that potassium twice a day to make sure that that potassium is coming down to normal. If it's a cat whose potassium is really high in the beginning and was having an arrhythmia, we're usually checking it sooner than that as well. And then we're also doing a urinalysis. So that urinalysis will kind of tell us whether that cat had crystals or not. Typically, it's a pretty bloody urine, so we'll definitely be seeing a lot of red blood cells in there, which can make it very difficult to determine if there is a urinary tract infection or not. So a lot of times, the veterinarian will send out a urine culture. So what they do is they send out that urine, the laboratory puts it on a plate, and they grow to see if there's any bacteria that's in there. And if there is, then they'll tell us what kind of antibiotic is going to be the most effective against that. Because if we looked at it on a slide, all we're going to see is red blood cells. And bacteria are way tinier than a red blood cell. Like this would be comparing things like if I was looking at a car, like just a sea of cars, and then I was looking for a marble in that sea of cars. Like they're really tiny. So if we have tons and tons and tons of red blood cells, they're going to be really difficult for us to see. So sending out that culture is going to be the best way to know whether we have a urinary tract infection or not. But looking for those crystals is going to be one of the number one things that we're going to do because that will tell us if we need to change their diet. So just real quick for the rest of our hospitalization, as of right now, kind of the gold standard, what we usually do is we hospitalize them for about 48 hours 
Like I said, we're keeping them on that IV fluids. We have them with their urinary catheter in and we're doing urinary care on them every four hours until we get to that 48 hour mark. And then we remove that urinary catheter as long as everything looks good. So as long as the urine has been clearing up and as long as those kidney values have come down and that potassium has come down to normal. After we've removed that urinary catheter, then we just want to make sure that the cat is able to urinate. So as long as the cat pees, then that's typically when we're going to be able to send them home. Now, as for management at home, usually, like I said, if this is crystals, if this is due to the diet, then that usually means that we want a diet change. Now, most people will ask me, well, if it's just because it has basic urine, well, why don't I just give it some really acidic things and then we'll just make the cat have really acidic urine and that will get rid of the the crystals. Well, the problem with that is if you go really acidic, now you're going to go the opposite way and you're going to get different types of crystals in there. So that's also not a great idea either. Typically, we want to put them on a diet that's going to be good to, to make their their blood very neutral and their urine very neutral so that they cannot create either kind of crystal. So usually this is going to be a prescription diet. Uh, right now, the three most common ones that we have are going to be Hills CD, uh, Royal Canin SO, and Purina uh, UR. And you know, you can find them in different places too. It's not going to be just from the veterinary hospitals, but you do need a veterinary prescription in order to be able to get them. But we always want to make sure that the cats stay on those food and just that food only. So we had talked about the fact that, you know, this has to do with the pH and the change in the pH of the blood. So if I give the food and then you give the cat like a hot dog or you give the cat treats or cat grass or anything else, that's going to change the pH of their blood and that's going to create more crystals. So it's really important when they're on this diet that they stay only on this diet. Sometimes that may mean changing all of your cats to this diet as well. As long as your other cats are healthy and they don't have any other medical problems, then it's okay to change the other cats to this diet. The main thing is that we don't want this cat who becomes blocked to eat the other cat's food. If you can't do that, there are other things you can do as well. You can feed them in separate rooms. So my cats will eat in separate rooms, or you can even get feeders that have those little collars on them that have microchips so that they will, they will respond to that cat's microchip, knowing which cat to open up the feeder for. Other things to do at home for like good management stuff is to get some sort of, of water fountain. You can find them pretty cheaply on Amazon, but a good water fountain will just aerate the water, which cats really like. They don't like still stagnant water. And if your cat doesn't like a water fountain, if your cat likes to do things like drink out of a cup, maybe have plastic cups that are specific for that cat. Like just always know that if there's a blue plastic cup, nobody, no humans drink out of it. It's only for the cat. You know, and then you can refill them a couple times a day just to make sure that that cat is getting an adequate amount of water. Also, we talked about how you know, there uh, one of the other big things is that we worry about cats who are overweight. Uh, overweight cats tend to have a lot of urinary problems. And a lot of these cats are neutered, but I've definitely seen cats who are not neutered who have had a urethral 
urethral obstruction as well. So getting a lot of exercise will help with that as well. Whether that is putting on a laser pointer when you're gone, putting one of those mouse things under the mat just to try to get them some exercise, playing with them when you're home. You want to try to get them more exercise. And one of those diets too, both the Royal Cannon and the Science Diet, I believe both of them have ones that help with weight loss as well. So it's definitely something to look into. And then the third big and the other big thing at home is going to be just monitoring them to make sure that they do not have this obstruction again. Even though we've already unobstructed them, they've been hospitalized, they still can reobstruct after this. The most important time period after the hospitalization is for about the first 10 days. You still want to be monitoring for all those same signs that you were looking for before. Is the cat urinating in the litter box? Is it trying to go outside of the litter box? When it is in the litter box, do you see little drops of urine that are coming out? Or when you see the cat going into the corner, do you see little drops of urine coming out? Do expect that the urine might be a little bit bloody afterwards, especially because there's been a lot of blood that was coming from that bladder in the first place. But we want to make sure that that cat is still producing some some urine. And then after this, a lot of times this is just doing medical checkups with your regular veterinarian making sure that we recheck the urine to make sure that there's no signs of any urinary crystals. I have seen some cats who have been strictly on the urinary diet and have had to change to a different urinary diet. But otherwise, these cats usually have a fairly good outcome. Now I'm going to talk about some of those other not as common things that we end up having to do. So let's say that the cat does have a bladder stone. Typically, that's going to mean that we need to do surgery. So if that bladder stone is stuck in the urethra, then we need to go in there to be able to remove that stone. Sometimes we can flush it from the urethra into the bladder and be able to do what's called a cystotomy. That means doing surgery to go into the bladder specifically. And sometimes they're just stuck. We cannot move them at all. And then we have to do a urethrotomy. If the cat has a urinary tract infection, then typically we're treating with with antibiotics as well. That's not something we typically do for cats who have crystals as their urethral obstruction because there's no need for them. There's no there's no bacteria that's in there, so we don't need antibiotics for those. But some of these cats who have you know, highly suspicious for a urinary tract infection or that we worry that they, we see that they have really high fevers. And so we worry about them having a urinary tract infection. Those are the ones we're usually giving antibiotics for. And then let's say, lastly, we have those strictures that we are talking about. Or the other most common scenario is that the cat reblocks multiple times. So typically we'll do a surgery called a PU surgery. And that usually means that we're trying to widen the urethra. So essentially what happens is we cut off the penis and we open up that urethra. Because the reason why we don't see this happen very often in female cats, because female cats can potentially get crystals, but they are less likely to become blocked from them because the fact that their urethra is much bigger than the male's urethra. 
So by opening up that urethra, they're less likely to become blocked again. Unfortunately, that's not 100% though. You can have them have become blocked again, even after the surgery. It's not as likely, but it is still a risk for that. And sometimes they have to go back in and widen it, open it back up again. So we want to still monitor those cats for any signs of urethra obstruction. All right, I think I've given you guys enough information at this point. If you have any questions, please feel free to let me know. Otherwise, if you have any suggestions on a topic that you'd like to hear, please let me know that as well. Thank you for listening. Please remember that we are all just practicing veterinary medicine. Medicine changes constantly, both in humans and in animals. We're always learning about new techniques, new things about diseases, and also new treatments. So your veterinarian might suggest something just a little bit different than what we've talked about here. Thank you.